Welcome to the Dev Ready Podcast, where we're helping non-techs build better tech. Today, we're joined by Chris Ellis, who is the founder of Elevate Consulting. He helps startups, predominantly scale-ups, move to the next level. We've got fast-moving teams, growing teams. Um, how do we manage that? We can start in a, a very small team at the beginning. So if we're a startup out there, may have one, two, three people, five people, but when we get to 50 or 200, what do we do with that? How do we manage that? It takes a very different structure, an operational structure to do that. And Chris will talk today about how we can leverage team people and even look at revenue operations, what that means. And we'll dig into some of the principles and how you help uh, scale ups. Chris, thank you for joining us on DevReady Podcast. Thanks very much, Andrew. Great to be here. I'd love to look a little bit back to as to your experience, your background, and how you got to where you are before we dig into how we might help um, some people when they're thinking about sort of growing, expanding teams. Um, tell us a bit about your background and your history in the space of just career. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, so I've uh, sort of 25 years in, in the world of corporate and working. Um, my career started more in the side of banking uh, back in the UK and then here in Australia. But most of the roles that I've done in the world of banking were around operations, so supporting the go-to-market teams and distribution teams in, in retail and business banks. Uh, and then I decided to get out of the world of banking and uh, got more into the world of SaaS and technology. Uh, I was chief operating officer for uh, Ansarada, which is a M&A um, technology business here in Australia that's been some great things globally. Uh, and then five years ago, I decided to Go it alone and uh, created Elevate. So for the last five years, we're a boutique consulting business working with scale ups, really looking to put the right systems, frameworks, and processes in place for their go to market teams to help them drive consistent performance and ultimately drive revenue for the organization. So every business is looking for exactly <laughs> better revenue, better systems, less headaches. <laughs> <laughs> Someone to come in and help solve the problems because every business does have problems. That's the reality or challenges, whichever way you look at them. Um, no matter what level you're at, right? So I think yeah, exactly. there's always there's always so, there's always something to solve for because we're we're right at our edge all the time. We we got to here, but that's not going to get us to the next step. That's right, and and I think you know that most organisations often founders feel like they're facing these challenges alone and these problems that they're experiencing. It's only then where more often not every organization has got these same challenges either at a different scale, uh, you know, slightly different pivot on the way that it, it's happening, but ultimately, you know, the core problems are very similar across organizations. And, uh, then nobody's alone. In the things that it's surprising how everyone thinks that they're the only person to have ever gone through that problem before. That's right. Everyone's their own unique snowflake. <laughs> Yeah, we all think think we're unique. That's okay. It's, <laughs> yeah, but that's yeah. We see the more you get out there in conversation, you have you realise that yes, there are people that have done done what you've done before, gone through what you've you've been through before, and can help. And I think that's what this conversation's about. How do we help people get out through those challenges? So, what's the first step for you if you get engaged by a business or an organisation? Generally, where are they reaching out or what? What's the core? There's always, look for you, there might be a core one or two problems that they're having in their business. What are some of those that bring you into the business? Yeah, so it's a good question. So it does vary a lot by different organizations in terms of the the reasons. We offer 
different services, so both consulting where we go into the organisation, but also uh, training and coaching. So depending on the, the business needs would depend on the reason why they reach out to us. So it could be the fact that they've identified a skills gap in their go-to-market teams where they're looking for training support, and we'll then go into their organisation and actually deliver tailored training for those, those team members. Um, and then in a lot of cases, it is more around uh, us actually going and consulting with that organisation. Quite often, I, I call it the virtual RevOps leader solution that we have, which is like a you know a fractional uh, leadership role that you do within that organisation, where um, rev revenue operations is quite a new term here in Australia. More and more businesses are identifying it as a need, and we'll go into their business and actually help them either build that function or uh, act in a role in that business for a period of time. Um, or more, more often than not, do a deep dive on the organisation to help really bring to life the pain points that they've, they've currently got and identify where the problems are in their revenue cycle uh, and look at ways in which we can help forward. But more often than not, these organisations are reaching out to us because, you know, ultimately it's either a skills gap that they've got in their business within the team uh, or go to market or in their revenue operations function. Do you see that the skill gap is probably one of the main things? that most of them would have just if you are going from that startup to scale up in that quick ramp up managing a larger group of people or a more intensive product or whatever it may be is going to be a, a different thing than what you've been doing in the past that's right yeah so certainly uh within once you get to that size of say an organization of uh you know 100 to 200 people the, although again the problems are quite similar the, it's the scale of these issues so example might be uh with say a sales team you know, might have 10, 15, 20 salespeople in the organization. Quite often at this point in time, organizations haven't decided on a sales methodology, sales, well-defined sales process that everybody is following. So that's one of the gaps that we see quite regularly in organizations of that sort of size. And they've hired lots of great salespeople who are very experienced, but there isn't a consistent process that they're all following because they've brought the own skills, capabilities, processes from other organizations, and nobody's sort of centered those within the current business. Said, right, well, how are we going to go about taking this product to market? How are we going to go about selling? And we find that's a, a skill gap that there is in the business. Um, alternatively, it's the, you know, the bigger gap where we've got what I call the founder's curse, but the, the founder has been doing so much across the organization, now we've got to let go and have others start to deliver these more, uh, you know, sp specific skills and capabilities and be more specialised in their roles because the organisation is getting much, much bigger. You can't be a generalist in everything anyone does. So you see that at the gap to help people do as well. The founder's curse, yeah. I think founders are used to doing everything or being a part of everything. Right. It's just letting go can be challenging. Revenue operations, first time I've actually heard the term, but it, it, what does that mean to you? Just define that for me. Yeah, great question. So in, I think in Australia, it's a much newer term. It's a lot more embedded in the US and uh, the UK particularly. But uh, you may have heard the term sales operations before, which is, you know, I think a lot of people still use that term. And really revenue operations is taking it up another level and really looking across the complete revenue cycle. So if we think about um, when, uh, generating revenue for an organization, it really starts with the marketing function and driving leads into the business before that lead gets passed to the sales team. And then ultimately 
in SaaS, particularly customer success, to uh, um, ensuring the customer realizes value in their product, um, and also uh, looking at ways to help grow that relationship going forward and expand the relationship. So where revenue operations comes in, is slightly different, uh, is the fact that it's really looking at the, the complete revenue cycle, driving alignment across marketing, sales, and customer success. So rather than just thinking sales operations, which tends to focus just on the sales process for when the sales team are involved, we're looking at completely everything from lead to revenue being driven, and more importantly, that recurring revenue and churn and managing the ongoing relationships with, with customers as well. So uh, they're all about driving the efficiency in the business and the effectiveness of the, uh, the go-to market teams. So just, I'm just I'm re- re- hearing that out or speaking that back from some terms that I know of. Like it's a customer journey, but then improving the efficiency in that and how the customer's engaging with the business across the journey. Is that where you're at? That's right, yes. And, and, and looking at, you know, how we create a a seamless customer experience, but also a seamless experience for the teams internally. So how do we remove those roadblocks between marketing and sales that might be causing a pain point both internally for the teams, but also might be creating a bad and poor customer experience or same between sales and customer success. Um, you know, as we pass that person, once the revenue's been realized to help the customer then realize the value in our product, how do we ensure it's a great handover is happening, that it's seamless, and more importantly, from a, a systems perspective internally in the business, that we've got that consistent view of the customer um, and help them realize the real success and value of our, our product. This can obviously help any business, <laughs> let's be honest. Yep. <laughs> at what point would someone really want to be considering this? Because I would imagine at a startup level, we are cons- considering this as an operational business that's outside of SaaS, we should be considering this. Um, when does it really add significant value to a business to go through a process like this? Yeah, no, it's a great question. I always, uh, this is always a contentious one, I think, as to well, when do you make your first hire in this sort of space in an organization? And, um, you know, a lot of people say, oh, you need a number of sales team members in the business to, to sort of generate the revenue to say that this is required and same, you know, in terms of marketing roles and customer success roles as well. Yeah, I think. I would probably throw it out there and say perhaps it should be one of the first hires that we have in go to market because they can embed the foundational capability for every other hire coming into the business to have a clear process to follow, to have some great data and analytics, uh, et cetera, in place to, to really understand what actions can be taken in the business to improve performance. So I'm a big advocate of the sooner you hire this role, the better. Um, a lot of organizations would say that they'd want to have a number of people in their go-to-market function first before this role is hired, and that would include sales roles, uh, marketing roles, and customer success roles. But for me, I think the sooner you can bring someone in who is that sort of revenue operations leader and put the foundations and processes in place, it's going to set your business up for um, scale and for the opportunity to grow as quickly as possible without having to revisit uh, many of these approaches further down the line because they haven't been implemented in the right way. Well, they'll always evolve, I imagine, but yeah, just having a bit of a groundwork where everyone's on the same page or, or hymn sheet um, is important in any facet of a business operation. So yep. let's 
dig in a little bit into some detail. So you've got a 12-step framework that you take people through. You don't really ask a lot of questions. If we could touch upon a little bit of that, just give the, the listeners some sort of feel as to not necessarily you may not need to hire this in, but maybe a founder could be good thinking about these things as they're going through the journey. Maybe they're smaller, medium-sized, whatever they might be. But if we start to embed some of these things up front, um, that will obviously help in the long term as well. Yes. So um, let me give you just a bit of a flavor of uh, both the. So the framework we use was built around revenue operations and revenue enablement. So as I mentioned earlier, revenue operations for me is all about the getting the right efficiency for the business. So putting the right processes in, in place. Whereas uh, revenue enablement is more about the effectiveness of the, the go to market teams and getting that alignment across the go to market teams. Um, so we split the framework into 12 steps. Uh, the first six all focus on revenue and uh, operations and the second six all around revenue enablement. And fundamentally, obviously, at the center of all of that is strategy. You, know, you need a good strategy to execute against all of these things, whether that be your go-to-market strategy, um, the, the, the wider organizational strategy that you're, you're executing on as well. So in terms of operations, um, the first area that I focus on is what we call performance and productivity. So this is all about having the right operating rhythm for the business uh, and the go-to-market teams. So when I say operating rhythm, you know, what are the meetings that are happening on a weekly, monthly, quarterly, annual basis that are really setting up your teams for success? And for me as an individual, what's my day in a life look like? What are the activities that I'm doing day in, day out to drive the business and drive revenue for the organization. Um, the second step is then all around process and the sales process. So from lead through to revenue, what are the steps that I'm taking in the organization to drive success, drive that customer journey and, and uh, deliver revenue for the organization. And the third part is process improvement. So like you said earlier, Andrew, you know, these, all, these things are always evolving. Uh, and you need to continuously be looking at processes and looking at ways that you can improve them. Um, and obviously, as we all know, in the world of technology and SaaS, the volume of tools that are out there, et cetera, that can improve uh, the way in which you're operating, can automate your processes and create a great experience for both your customers and your team, meaning you've got to continuously be looking at processes. The second area is then what we call measure and motivate. So, this is all the ways in which we're going to um, create data and measure the team, but also how we're going to help motivate our go-to-market team members as well. So the, fir the, the first section of this is around targets and KPIs, or you know, a lot of cases in organisations OKRs that they're now using. So, you know, what are the targets in place that we're going to measure the team against? Uh, what are the goals that we're going to be setting for the teams, and how are we going to align marketing, sales, and customer success to have those joint goals that they're all aligned on against delivering the part that they play in delivering those goals. The alignment's pivotal, isn't it? If That's you've right. got a sales marketing team disconnected, all the best. page. what everyone's doing to drive forward. That's it. But unfortunately, you do hear a lot still of sales and marketing misalignment, um, and that can happen in, in many different ways. And that's you know, where I think Having clear goals at the start and OKRs that are aligned between those teams is a great way of setting yourself up for success. 
Uh, next comes reward and recognition. So how are we going to reward our go-to-market teams and recognize great performance through, you know, commission schemes, different initiatives that we run across the organization? And again, you know, a lot of this is relevant to any part of the, the business, but particularly in, in sales, you know, customer success teams, you know, you want to have those great commission schemes in place that are going to motivate people in the right way and not hinder them uh, in terms of and demotivate them from a uh, a revenue generating perspective but they believe that there are ways in which they can you know accelerate their their earning potential through great commission schemes there's a there, i've always understood that there needs to be a good balance there because we can just have a revenue target and then all of a sudden our customer um, support and areas flounder because everyone's just fo focused on the next sale how do you find a balance across those areas because it's quite pivotal to success. We need to be structured in a way where we have balance, not yeah. all focused on one area. It could be all support, then everyone just focuses all their energy on account management, but then new customers aren't coming in. So how do you balance that? that That's it, yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's a really difficult one to, and a lot of organisations I do see get these things wrong from a commission scheme perspective. So I, I always think, you know, simple is best. And sometimes we can really overcomplicate schemes, which become demotivating for people or they drive the wrong behaviors. So I think first thing to always look at is, well, what's the behaviors that we want to drive across the business when we're designing this scheme? Um, and how do we drive collaboration as well between the different teams? So back to that alignment point, you don't want just a sales team that all they're focused on is, um, you know, new business, new business revenue at the sacrifice of just bringing a customer on and then customer success are having to deal with the the mess that can come from that if the right conversations haven't happened, the right, you know, the, the right handover hasn't happened. And, and I've perhaps promised things to the customer that are just not achievable through the product and solution that we have in the organization. So for me, behaviors underpin anything that we do with the commission scheme and getting really clear on the behaviors that we want to achieve and the ways in which we want to get that collaboration between the go-to-market teams can ensure that we get a scheme that um, achieves the right outcomes and ensures that there is that uh, teamwork and alignment between different departments in the business as well. It makes a lot of sense, I think, yeah. Focusing behaviour first can yeah. tick the box rather than just a number. <laughs> We're trying to target X amount of sales that puts everyone in that framework. That's right. And, you know, I'm passionate about this in terms of, um, where we see organizations challenge as they scale is they focus very much on the what, which, you know, is back to the, the outcome is, yeah, we want more revenue. Great. That's the what, but what's the why and what's the how around those things. And again, I think leaders can spend more time focused on that. And if we can get the why right and take people on that journey, tie it into the vision, the mission of the organization strategy that's going to be huge in terms of taking everybody in the business along on the journey that you're going on but also how are we going to equip them with the how when i come on to revenue enablement we'll talk a bit more about that from a go-to-market perspective but so often that's a big breakdown in organizations where the uh, the how isn't isn't put in place and we just keep talking about the, the outcomes that we want how are we going to get there you know, how are you going to support me in achieving these goals it's generally left to the experience of people. Yeah, how do we train, support, ensure people are, have all the detail that they need to make it happen? Um, but that's 
It also depends on where the business is at. So if they're at a position where they, they can replicate something, that's a good place to be. If you're still testing, engaging, it, the how is maybe un, undetermined or unknown yeah. at that moment in time. Yeah. Um, and then the fi final part of the uh, measure of motivate for us is reporting and analytics. So, yeah, you know, you can only deliver what you measure and see, you know, the, me the measurements that are in place. So what's the reporting and analytics that the revenue operations team can put in place to really see that performance across the business, across the revenue cycle? So really understanding the the different um, challenges that business is experiencing, the different conversion rates that we're seeing across the revenue cycle, and really starting to help the business understand well, what levers can we pull to drive an improvement in performance. Uh, you know, it's, is it but that we need more leads at the top of the funnel? Is it that we need to be having better quality conversations through the sales funnel so that we can be converting more? Uh, is it that we're, we're, we're not understanding what to bring a customer on board, the true value that we're generating for them so that we can upsell and cross-sell to them um, with different uh, products and features? So that is a, you know, essential part is having that reporting and analytics in place to uh, back to the how, you know, if I can measure everything, I can understand the hows and the challenges that are, are there for the business and help the organization make some changes. So on, the, on that front there, um, there'll be a number of tools that you would have to embed into a system, into a business to enable this, clearly. What's some of the things that you find that people embed or technology that people embed to actually manage this area of their, their business? Yeah, the, I think the biggest one is the CRM. Uh, that the organization needs. So if we can get a consistent core system in place, like a customer relationship management system, then that is really going to help the set the organization up for success. Uh, when I talk a bit more about enablement, we talk about systems and tools and the fact that quite often we see organizations pick tools too early before they've looked at all these factors that we're talking about here. And then they have to revisit that decision that they've made because they've decided that the tool isn't scalable for where the business is heading. And CRM is probably one of the biggest ones that we see that happen with, where an organization has made a decision very early on in their, um, their, their life cycle. And perhaps if they've waited a little bit longer, done a bit more research, understood where they really wanted to take the business with their strategy, the CRM would have been more scalable with the organization. So definitely that for me is the biggest thing that we're looking at. Um, obviously across marketing and sales, particularly CRM is, is, is crucial in terms of getting leads into a funnel, understanding those, converting those contacts into, um, into a, a, known, a known prospect that they then can turn into an opportunity or a deal in the CRM system. And I think, you know, although there's lots of other tools that are needed to be used by the go-to-market teams, that, to me, is the, the pivotal foundational practice. Is there is a one or two you lean to that you find are the best for scaling businesses? Yeah, most of the organizations I work with would be one of two tools, and that is uh, Salesforce or HubSpot. So we're seeing more and more businesses using HubSpot, which is perhaps a bit more out-of-the-box solution for organizations, but some come across challenges with it when... They want to integrate more and more solutions and still other tools out there don't all integrate as much as they do with Salesforce. Um, but those would be the two main CRMs that the clients that I'm sort of looking at who have gone through a couple of funding rounds, 
got to the point of yeah, 150, 200 staff, they're using those of their, either of those of their core CRM systems. How does that come into from a marketing end? Because they both have ability to run marketing campaigns through them, I believe. Is that right? Yeah, yeah they do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. From my experience and the research I've done, I did another round of a CRM research this year. Yeah. <laughs> and they're very similar, but they end up being costly. So I'm guessing that's probably what drives the decision to not use them, which is Correct. one of the reasons we chose not to use it yeah. up front until you see the scale or like the results of putting stuff into a CRM, then you go, oh, I might need to get to that at some point. That's right. And that's, I think, the, you know, back to understanding as a business, the, the longer term strategy in a way is trying to head. Sometimes making that short term decision from a cost perspective can actually have a longer term impact. Ultimately, you can always uh, use different CRM early on and then you, you move to these more expensive solutions. Um, it just obviously requires more work when you start to do that migration and data that you're moving across and perhaps some of the challenges you then experience with the quality of the data you've captured in the original um, solution that you're trying to move into, into uh, say, a HubSpot Salesforce. But certainly, you know, both tools have their own marketing capabilities. They have their own integrations. You can use other marketing um, uh, tools to, to integrate into them. And there's different ways in which organizations are doing that. Um, but I think the complexity now is just the sheer volume of uh, platforms out there now in the marketplace. It would be very overwhelming for an organization to just build that tech stack out and understand exactly what is going to work for us as a business. Um, yep. And that, you know, that's, I guess, where other organizations like ours and, and others like them help add value to organizations to help understand well, what do we need as foundational. Um, and what perhaps do we need to invest in longer term that we don't need from day one? Um, and again, you know, there comes a point, break point probably where there's certain platforms that you do need. Um, I use examples like even with customer success, having like a customer success platform where you can manage and measure and forecast the churn that's going on in the business, create health scores and, and uh, you know, look at the risk of customers churning in the future, et cetera, and becomes more and more important to your scales but you might not want that from, from day one when you've only got five customers yeah you can work out the churn rate pretty easily can't you that's it. i think an, another cost that people probably don't realize when we're thinking about migrating from system to system is the like training and staffing cost of having to actually redo all your training material explain the new process get them up to speed if you've got one person running your crm in the early days it's very easy to move that one person over to a new one if you have 20, 30 people in that in that stream, it's going to become quite difficult to then change culturally across 30 people and have a new way of working. Definitely. And I think that's a, a big point in terms of people going through that change curve, the volume of other change that's going on in the business as well. And then you're on top of that, you're adding system changes, etc. And again, for me, that's about getting it right early on, uh, not just in terms of the tool that you're choosing, but the way in which you set it up to be used in, in the organization as well that can have a, a huge impact and um yeah to put 50 60 or even 200 people through that change because either you're making changes within the platform that you've got because you didn't set it up correctly in the first place or you're migrating to a new platform can be but a huge impact cost time um and just yeah stopping people from doing what you really want them to be doing particularly go to market which is you know accelerating selling or 
generating uh, opportunities. It's a lot to think about as you get bigger, isn't it? That's it. And that, that's yeah. why CRM, I say, sits importantly with reporting and analytics because, you know, that it's the quality of reporting that you can get out of that platform. It's obviously only as good as the data you're putting in. But um, again, if you have documented a great sales process, um, you've clearly identified the ways in which you're going to measure people, and uh, you've got everyone consistently following that framework, you're going to get great data coming out of the platform as well, which is going to give you much better reporting and improve the decision making. All comes down to the people using the system. <laughs> the system can be That's right. as good as it is, but if you're not using it properly or using the power of it, then it's pointless. So yeah, it, it requires a lot of training, a lot of skilling. But like I think the big thing you said there is the initial setup and config, because there's always a, a part of of that within the business that how are we going to really work with the platform? Because they, these types of solutions can be used in many different ways. What's going to best serve us, best serve our customers, and give us the data we need to make better decisions? So would you advise people to go out and get some consulting as they get bigger in that space? Uh, yes. Yeah, so I think, you know, the two ways of doing it, if you've, got a, if you've hired that RevOps role into your business, then they should own this and they should be driving this for your organization. If you haven't got to that point yet where you've created that operations function to support the business, then I think, you know, getting that consulting support in where people have done this numerous times, they know what tech stacks can work well for a business, and more importantly, can help you create a consistent process that's going to sit within the platforms that you're using, uh, I think can add massive value. But certainly, I'd be urging organisations as well as uh, leveraging consultants to hire that RevOps role that own that, drive that for your business. Makes sense. In terms of RevOps versus just operations in totality, could that be one role or is needs to be two? Or is uh, it a point where it breaks away? I th- I, yeah, I think it is a point and it breaks away. I think operations in totality is where a lot of organizations start with. Um, and obviously that's, you know, could be looking at your internal infrastructure across the business that you've got outside of just the revenue functions and go to market functions. You know, those, those roles are looking at, you know, perhaps change management, all sorts of different things across the business. Where I think, you know, revenue op- operations come comes in is there comes a point where you want that specialism and somebody that's really focused just on the go-to-market structure of the business, both in terms of the technology and the processes that you've got in place across the that I think you know the, a business will probably start to realise where that comes into play, and you, you suddenly get into the point where your operations team are much more just focusing on the, the way the business is running on a day-to-day basis across the whole the whole team. And you you go right, we need this insights now in terms of revenue, and what is it that we can be doing to drive an increase in our revenue, particularly as you know in a lot of cases we're scaling, we're being held to account by investors by our board. And you know, there's expectations for that, you know, sixty percent year on year increase or even even more. We don't expect expect much, do we? (laughs) 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 And and I think, you know, that's when if if I've got the dollar we're spending the dollars on go to market teams and we're 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 spending to grow, that's when I've you know, a revenue operations role can really come into play and add the value to the business. Brilliant. Let's think a bit about enabling. I'm sure we've touched a bit on it with some tools and structures. So enabling teams to operate efficiently in this revenue stream, what are some of the things that are key factors here? 
Yeah, so um, we, again, like the, the, the revenue operations, there's two sections to, to this. We're three, three elements of each, but the first one's scale with systems. Um, so in the scale with systems, we're talking about having the right operating model. So what's that operating model between marketing, sales, customer success? What are the different roles that we need in the business? Um, you know, so as a sale, as an organization becomes bigger, to begin with, you may just have sales roles that are doing everything sort of account executives. But over time, you want to think about SDRs that are supported by either an outbound outreach perspective or inbound uh, inside sales type roles. Um, so really, what's the structure that we need to put in place in the operating model to drive revenue across the different parts of the business? Next is platforms and tools. So this is really what was, I was mentioning earlier. And the fact that I'm talking about it at this point in time, because we've already put all these other elements in place, now is really the time to start thinking about what's the different platforms and tools that we need. And um, I love a, I don't know if you've seen this, but there's a great map that a, a lady called Nancy Nardine produced called the sales technology landscape it's got nearly 2,000 different tools on it. oh wow that's that's not surprising though i think there's 10,000 plus here yeah. i believe or some ridiculous number and yeah there's 46 categories of tools so that's the complexity that there is in place now for go to market teams to think about in terms of um the ways in which they can manage uh you know manage their business and and create the tech stack to support their business from everything from you know um conversational intelligence tools that are recording and analyzing calls and providing ai through to you know lead generation tools the marketing tools through to enablement tools which you call sort of sales engagement sales readiness tools there's just a wealth of different things out there in the marketplace that can be used now um before we even think about the crm as well so just massive complexity that we need to think about and um, that's why we sort of say well think about everything else first get the operating model processes in place before you worry too much about the complete tech stack so complete tech stack how many tools would an organization at a scale of 200 people that you might be working with have in this area what's oh, what is, it, what's it, a number it, yeah it's a number's a great one i've seen some crazy numbers uh and unfortunately a, a pain point that i see here that organizations have created is um not having enough control in this space where um they allow the teams to go out and almost identify their own use tools, any tool yep mm -hmm. and you end up with multiple tools to do the same job um so uh, that obviously creates massive challenges for an organization as well but I'd, I'd be saying that you know there's 20 to 30 tools that organisations would be looking at um, as a as a base tech stack um, when you've got say 200 staff, and that could be everything from say um, if you think think about the complete revenue cycle, it could be um, data enrichment tools to improve the quality of the data that we've either got going into our CRM, or for teams to be able to pull contact records and identify different people for data outreach to. Could be something you know like video recording software for us to be able to send messages to a, uh, a prospect and inter interact all these new tools are just spinning up yes. everything in a different yeah. way mm. yeah you know it could be any of these sorts of things so mm. that's where it does start to get quite complex in terms of the volume of tools that we're seeing organizations use but i wouldn't be surprised if most organizations on a list of them would have 20 or 30 tools that yeah, that's when we first started that conversation, I thought, oh, we haven't got that many. But when you actually broke down what they are, yeah, we've got a lot. That's it, yeah. <laughs> it's every little thing that's used 
along the way to create or enhance or improve something and then you do know, the thing. Yeah, it might, you know, uh, a business might have a, a CPQ software like configure price quote in terms of being able to pull a proposal together and get that out that sits on top of Salesforce or HubSpot or whatever. Yeah, that's on top of the core CRM that they're, they've got. You know, then they're, then they're looking at, uh, you know, the email, obviously email software that they're, they're using and that can integrate. Then you're looking at uh, data enrichment, et cetera. So it's just huge when you start to map it out. Uh, and then the, the the final part of scale may come back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The final part of scale with systems is communication and messaging. So we this is about getting alignment externally with our customers around our value proposition, ensuring that marketing and targeting the same customers that we're targeting from an ICP or customer persona perspective, uh, ensuring that we we've got the same alignment in terms of the value prop that we're communicating afterwards as well. So that's a, a really huge one um, for us in terms of communication and messaging. And I talk about that externally and internally. So, um, you know, as well as an organization, how we communicate our strategy and how we communicate our go-to-market approach internally across the organization as well. well. It needs to be consistent. Otherwise, it's, it gets a little bit messy, right, if you're marketing to that's one right. person in a different way and then we're selling in a completely different manner so if there's no connection it becomes disjointed and conversion rates are going to drop because you're not attracting the right person or the messaging to get them in the room could have been different to what's been presented so it's a, it's a fine line there especially right. as the Definitely. team gets bigger yeah. Definitely and you know and ultimately if your uh, marketing team is uh, through their activity targeting a different persona to yourself when those leads come in into sales misalignment straight away because sales are saying, well, this, you know, this is the target target market or they're giving a slightly different message that isn't misaligned to the, the marketing message that's been out there. So getting that alignment is, is crucial for the communication message. Uh, and then our final segment is talented teams. So, you know, you've, you've got productivity happening in the business, you're measuring and motivating people in the right way, you've got the scale, the scale of the system technology and then the final part is talented teams so what are the competencies that we're looking for in our team to be successful we can use that for hiring we can use it for onboarding people we can use it for designing the training and creating development within the organization as well so competencies are critical you know the behaviors we want to see the skills and capabilities that we want to measure next is training so this is all about you know it feels like it's never-ending. This yeah. is quite a big, big undertaking. Yeah. <laughs> but it all makes sense as you speak through it. There's so much there. The bigger we get, the more complicated it gets, especially That's with it. a number of people. And then, yeah, how are we going to onboard people from a training perspective? We can get the training right. We're going to improve the ramp time and, more importantly, get them delivering revenue more quickly for our business, which is crucial. So, again, a lot of organizations just don't have online training programs, have training programs in place because, you know, early doors don't need to do it. But, do it from mentoring, but you get to that point of scale where teams are global, teams are in multiple regions, and therefore, you know, you need that remote training that's going to happen and onboard people as quickly as possible. And not just in terms of training them on the onboarding, but also how are we going to grow the skills and capabilities of our existing team members as well? This is going to help with retention, and it's also going to ensure that we, uh, we continue to realise the revenue goals that we set ourselves. Uh, and then the final, final part is coaching. So 
as a leader, I've got to be coaching my team. I've got to be growing the team, increasing their skills and capabilities. But that coaching can only really happen when I've got clarity and consistency with the processes that are happening in the business that we're doing. You know, so every leader globally is coaching against the same frameworks. Can only do it when we know what behaviours we want to coach to. And I can only do it when I've got the right tools and technology in place as well for people to be using so I can measure that performance. So coaching is the final part of the puzzle for us. And uh, although, you know, you want to see coaching happening from day one, ultimately you need to have all these other things in place to be able to coach too and to coach people's skills and capabilities up as well. well the clue there's a, there's a, a breadth of areas there. How deep do we need to go? And probably the depth depending on the size of the business would be a question for you because as we get bigger and bigger we have to go deeper and deeper into each of those categories but i feel like if you consider all of them even if you were early days just some top level things would make things a lot smoother across a team of three to five for example within the sales team and maybe that's the levers you pull is how deep you go into each one as you grow potentially that's it, yeah. So we do a, um, we have like a scale up assessment that people can do online that takes like three minutes and it quickly gives them a health check and assessment against where they are on all those 12 areas. You know, any business could do that and it would give them some quick tools and things that they could put in place to just go, okay, yeah, we're struggling on X or Y and this should be an area of focus for us, a quick health check. But, you know, when you're going into a business with 200 people, the complexity of that organisation, you know, we're in there for days doing a deep dive on that business, looking at their CRM, looking at the pain points. Um, I had one client that I worked with. We found 85 pain points in their sales process. On the, Where do you start? Doing their CRM. <laughs> and, you know, we spent a long time with that business, helping them put those, fix those things and put those things into place. So, you know, and that's not uncommon. So, again, the, the complexity becomes greater as the business gets bigger. But even from day one, you know, people could do a quick, maturity assessment health check against these things and go, okay, yeah, we haven't got a sales process documented, so let's go and document that sales process. Or, um, you know, we're not leveraging our the reporting and analytics in the right way and correcting some great dashboards that we as a business we can use to make actionable decisions. So let's put those in place. And those can be done as, you know, quite quick overviews, just asking themselves a few questions around these different areas. And and prioritizing, you know, obviously there's massive number of challenges organizations have got priorities as they scale so it's like which ones are the most important and as i've said uh, yeah for us that's why we start you know on, on a, this is a secular uh, uh approach but it starts with the operating rhythm and works your way around you can almost prioritize based on those things because for me having a sales process that's consistently followed in the business is going to set you up for success and having a great operating Chris, lots of information, lots of people to consider. Even myself I might go and do your little survey. So I'll reach out. Yeah, I think it's a, <laughs> there's a lot there. Imagine though. how many flaws we ourselves process. Let's not, uh, this will all be run from me and Anthony driving in there. But yeah, it's interesting. So uh, we're, we're, we're a small front facing team, but yeah, have a number of people delivery, but you still could be doing more consistent across what you're up to, right? So how do we get more consistent so you can actually leverage and bring people into a, into a process? Because I feel like we've attempted to bring people into sales in the past and it's probably failed because we don't have systems in play and mm. it's, 
we're, we've been doing this for 15 years, so we, we sort of know what to do and how to approach it, but that doesn't mean it's documented and anyone can pick up. Yeah, I don't even know it. how to document it. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> yeah. one step at a time. And, and I yeah. think, you know, that's the, the biggest word you said there, Andrew, is consistency. You know, I call it the three C's, consistency, consistency, consistency. If you do that as an organisation and have these things documented and follow them in a way, it's much better than being occasionally great. And, you know, that's the key thing is just, getting the routines, the habits, the well-documented processes and frameworks. And for uh, scale-ups and startups, that just gives you the foundations to go forward and set you up for success. So if anyone wants to look at the um, survey, where can they find it? Yeah, you can find it on our website, which is uh, elevate.co, so E-L-L-I-V-A-T-E.co. And uh, on the homepage, there's a link there to take the scale-up assessment. It'll take you about three minutes and you get a personalized report off the back of that and there's a number of tools built into it as well that people can immediately implement for their business oh, brilliant chris there's been so much information i feel like we need to get you on about four or five more episodes and dig into each <laughs> area properly yeah because there's a lot there so let's keep in contact and figure out how we might share some more depth of information across a few of them but Thanks for joining us on DevReady Podcast today. Uh, if anyone wants to reach out to Chris, he's on LinkedIn, Chris Ellis, um, and Elevate.co is the website. Thanks for joining us today. Really a pleasure to learn about all the things we have. We're not doing in our business, so thanks for that. <laughs> Thank but you. yeah, plenty of information there. Cheers. Thank mate. you to the both for the opportunity. It's been great. Oh, cheers, problem. Chris. Thanks. Thank you.